scripture reading today is near the back of the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We thank God for his word that he can lead us, and we look forward to hearing what Kenny Haggett has to tell us this morning. Thank you for joining us. take a lesson from you guys because preliminaries are all over and it's time to get to the sermon. Concord seems to take 40, 45 minutes to get that over, so they can learn something. Well, good morning. I am, uh, and, uh, you know, I was just thinking, I saw on the door out there that uh, it's live stream. And I was thinking maybe I should text my son who's out in Washington State, hey, look at your father live streaming. But I, I didn't want to be picked up on the live stream as playing with my phone in church. So maybe next time. I'd um, like to thank Steve again for the um, invitation. I do like coming. This is, however, a little further into the winter season then I tend to travel this far north um, but uh, I'm glad we they, they made uh, yeah okay well I'm telling you I I missed breakfast this morning so if you hear this rumbling think nothing about it um, and I am a little later than I intended to be to get here but we had a good frost in Concord this morning, and I wanted to make sure I got the chains on that minivan so that I could be sure to get up here with no problem. So that's why I'm a little late. But uh, <clears throat> Edna, you, you, you're tired of the of the election season. You're, you're ready to have it end. Well, I am not. I am not, because I figure after Tuesday, I'm not going to get any more mail. And, you know, I like Christmas cards, so you can just imagine how I like all these political advertisements. I probably got them down at the house now, so it's, it's okay. And no, I'm not a collector of political advertisements. Oh, my. Okay. Um, I'm afraid it's going to be a short sermon today because, uh, <clears throat> well, I was uh, looking at my computer, you know. You're not, you understand that I'm not a great speaker, that I tend to read my sermons. And so I figure when I get up to like nine pages, that's a little long. Um, 
seven pages is better. Six pages that my computer said I was at, that's on the short end, but I figured, you know, we have this service in Concord this afternoon. Um, Tom Crowell, I'm not sure if you knew him or not, he passed away, so today we're having a memorial for him. His family was able to come from uh, Florida and New Jersey today, so we're having a memorial for him. So I was going to keep the sermon a little short anyway. The computer said six pages, so I, I said that's enough. I hit print, but little did I know that the sixth page uh, didn't have anything on it. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I, it's going to be shorter than usual. And and the title, the title. You know, you can tell I'm from Concord because I'm stretching those preliminaries right out, aren't I, Steve? Yeah, yeah. The title, it's uh, Sin, Redemption, and Question Mark. Well, I didn't really exactly mean to send it with a question mark. I hadn't finished the sermon when Steve wanted the information, so I was still questioning what I was going to have for a sermon. But I think it fits. Sin redemption and then what okay um i was trying to this you know yesterday last night trying to finish it up and and um i was thinking maybe a good title would be sin um and the two levels of redemption but the question mark it, it fits because probably when i get done you're going to wonder what was he talking about so here we go a while ago, a couple of my students, they displayed um, contrasting ways of making things right. Okay, They both were guilty of something, different things, which I'll tell you about in a minute. And they both recognized their guilt, and they both sought um, to redeem themselves from their guilt. So let me tell you about the first two. He was caught making a wooden bowl on the lathe. A small bowl to which he would attach a dowel with a hole drilled through it. Okay? He was making himself a pipe. Right? Now my past experiences with this, this young man led me to believe that he was a very good boy. Um, always respectful very polite in the hallway, in the classroom, very well-mannered, and he was embarrassed, and I believe very sorry for what he had done, not because he got caught, but he was authentically ashamed of himself, because he could see that his behavior would ruin our relationship, which had been very good. Uh, I had let him come a number of times after school to work on projects, and he was great, very grateful. Okay. And so his first question after he was caught went something like, when do you want me to serve my detention? <clears throat> I asked him, for what reason? He said, for making the bowl. I said, he did not have to serve a detention. He suggested then that um, he clean the shop to amend for his behavior. I said he did not have to clean the shop. 
He said he would like to clean the shop or do something I needed done to make up for his bad behavior. I said he did not have to clean the shop or do anything else. I told him that, yes, he had done wrong, and nothing he now did could erase the fact that he had done something wrong. I told him that I believed he was a good boy, and this mistake would not be repeated, and as far as I was concerned, the issue was over. He became confused at this thought of not doing something, either serve or serve a punishment or do some good deed to make up for his mistake. As a matter of fact, he wasn't about to take no for an answer. He practically insisted that I let him do something to make up for his bad decision. I asked him if he had ever heard of the word grace. And did he understand what it meant? I said, I was offering him grace. I forgave him. He did not have to do something to make things right, and all was forgiven. He walked down the hall shaking his head, and the first boy believed that he had to do something, anything, and probably a lot of things to earn back my trust. He saw that his action could possibly break our relationship, and it would take his action to mend it. He wanted to redeem himself. Now, there's merit in making reparations to a person or persons whom we have harmed. After all, the Lord said in Exodus 22, if you steal an ox and slaughter it or sell it, you must replace it with five oxen. And if you steal a sheep and slaughter it or sell it, you've got to replace it with four sheep. If you cannot afford to replace the animals, you must be sold as a slave to pay for what you have stolen. If you steal an ox, a donkey, or a sheep, or caught with it still alive, you only have to pay double. Okay? If you allow any of your animals to stray from your property and graze in someone else's field or vineyard, you must repay the damage from the best part of your own harvest grapes and grain. If you carelessly let a fire spread to, from your property to someone else's, you must pay the owner. I'm not suggesting that guilty people not be held responsible for their actions, but I am suggesting that the theory of redeeming oneself by one's action between men is a concept that leads people to a false sense of how true redemption works. I am suggesting that guilty people cannot use good actions to redeem themselves to God. Perhaps one of the most famous of Jesus' parables is the parable of the prodigal son. Okay? Proudly demanded his share of the father's inheritance after many failures humiliate and humble him, the son returns to his father and is welcomed back after he works 16 hard years of labor to repay his father. No, he is welcomed back because of the love the father has for the son. The son did no actions to redeem himself to the father. 
there's a real danger, I feel, in our society. That we begin to think our performing good deeds or making payments redeems us to God. We may make reparations to someone and may make things right between them and us, but it does not erase the fact that we have committed a wrong. And committing a wrong is a sin, and sin is done by sinners, and sinners need to be redeemed. The act of redeeming or saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil does not come from any good acts that we do. Redemption only comes from one source. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Ephesians 1.7 There were at least eight men who believed the His blood and His grace belonged to the one called Jesus of Nazareth. Anybody know who those eight men were? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, James, Peter, Jude, and maybe one more. We're not really sure who wrote Hebrews. But there were at least eight men who believed that this Jesus of Nazareth gave himself for a ransom for all, as a ransom for all, 1 Timothy 2.6, who gave himself to us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds, Titus 2.14. So wait a minute, right there, right there, we just read it, it said, God wants people who are zealous for good deeds. There you go, see? Well, sure he does, but not as a way of earning redemption. Don't be zealous for good deeds to be redeemed, but be zealous for good deeds because you have been redeemed. King David <coughs> is remembered as the ultimate king of Israel. Now, King David also struggled with it more than a few times with some temptations, and he lost a few of those struggles with temptation. Most obviously, when um, he lusted after Bathsheba and sent her husband off to his death, but David repented, and God forgave him, and David wanted to do something very beautiful and meaningful for God. However, David was not allowed to build a temple. David did not think that building the temple would redeem him from his fallen state. He wanted to build the temple out of gratitude because God had redeemed him from his fallen state. Redemption cannot be bought with silver or gold. Redemption cannot be earned with your good deeds. Redemption is an act that was performed by God's own Son and is yours for the asking. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with 
imperishable things like silver and gold, from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Well, the second boy. The second boy did something different. He couldn't stop talking during history class. So I told him that he needed to write a two-page paper by the next day, focusing on how sorry he was that he continued to talk during history class. I was sure that the paper was not going to be written and was surprised the next day when he came to class with his two-page paper. I still have his paper. It's right here. His two-page paper says, Dear Mr. Haggett, I am very sorry, Mr. Haggett, for talking in your period seven, he actually went above and beyond the two-page history class. The second boy's approach <coughs> to redemption was to do as little as possible, the minimal and think his little effort would atone for his fault. Two boys, two different approaches. One has no punishment put before him, yet wants to do as much as possible to redeem himself. The other boy has the punishment put before him and thinks doing the minimal will atone for his fault. You ever met anybody like those two boys? First boy thinks, and people like him, that they can pay for their sin with good deeds. And they can't seem to do enough good deeds to pay for their mistake. The second boy, and people like him, try to pay for their sin by doing as little as possible. The first boy thought redemption came by action, working off a lengthy punishment by doing many good deeds. The second boy thought redemption came by action, all right, but doing something that would minimally satisfy the punishment. Two extremes of the old, I've got to do something to be redeemed syndrome. However, both boys are correct. Reaching a redeemed state with God takes action, but human action where both boys were mistaken. It's no wonder God didn't leave the redeeming process up to humans. If you went up to someone on the street and asked them what the word redemption means, the secular definition would likely come with an implication that redemption is man acting to redeem or atone for a fault or mistake that he committed toward a fellow man. Man realizes that his redemption requires action and relies on his action when redeeming himself with his fellow man. The Christian, however, may add a second part to the definition of redemption 
as including action necessary to redeem or atone for a fault or mistake toward God. And that sort of action, a Christian would say, man is unable to do for himself. God realizes that man, man's need for redemption goes deeper than man being able to redeem himself. Man's need of redemption, true redemption, redemption with God, includes man redeeming himself that requires action too, but for which God knows only his action is sufficient. Colossians 1, 13-14 For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Christian recognizes that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3. It is that time of year again, folks, when Christians recognize that God's redemption included this little passage. And it really is time for me to get a Bible with bigger print. The Christian recognizes that God's redemption includes this. Now, <clears throat> there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. God's redemption story includes that little passage. Of course, it goes on from there. It includes God sending forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Galatians 4. Christmas card made of a piece of brown paper bag and hay that says remembering his humble birth 
have to do with God's redemption plan? Everything. Use this season to help someone understand the reason for the season is much deeper than pretty cards and colorful lights and nicely decorated stores. The reason for the season is to point us to the only way that we can ever be redeemed back to God. Number 425 is our closing song. Caught you off guard, didn't I, dear?
images, we'll sing. But we will be able to sing the redemption story. Knowing that nothing we have done that has redeemed us back to you. But all the glory and the praise and the honor go to you.